Hi everyone, my name is Jessica Mujis and I am the host and creator of the Kids Yoga Podcast and I am so excited to tell you about my new Patreon page. If you are a loyal listener and you've been listening for a while, I'd love for you to go check it out. So it's a monthly subscription service and there are different tiers and for each tier you will get added benefits. These include early access to episodes, bonus content from interviews that you haven't heard yet, and my most exciting is a community of kids yoga teachers that will meet monthly and I will be there to moderate and we will discuss our challenges, our questions, the biggest rewards, and I'll have former guests join us and you can ask them questions in real time. I'm really excited about this. So if you're interested, I would love for you to check out the page. I want to keep this podcast going and I just need a little help to do that. Thanks so much. Hi, and welcome to the Kids Yoga Podcast, the place for all things kids yoga. My name is Jessica Mujis, and after teaching kids yoga for over a decade and being immersed in the industry, I created this podcast as a warm and supportive place for parents, teachers, caregivers, and kids yoga professionals to gather. Episodes include conversations with kids yoga teachers, business owners, and authors, child development experts, informational episodes on specific kids yoga topics, yoga adventures for children, and even the voices of children themselves. It is my hope that you can come here each week and gain inspiration and form connection with your fellow kids yoga community. Welcome to the Kids Yoga Podcast. I'm so glad you're here. Hi, and welcome back to the Kids Yoga Podcast. My name is Jessica. This week, I'm joined by Katherine Mercer. Katherine has been a speech-language pathologist for 25 years and a follower of yoga throughout her adult life. Currently, Katherine is a clinical educator and a contributing faculty member for speech therapy at the University of St. Augustine. Her private practice as Guide to Parents of Children with Communication and Executive Functioning is called Our Bright Path. Her areas of specialty include autism, executive functioning, and pediatric language and speech challenges. She has dedicated much of her time to learning from autistic people in her life and elsewhere about neurodiverse experiences. These inform many of her clinical and parenting approaches. Catherine is a certified 500-hour yoga teacher and a yoga teacher for children. She also has completed several trainings for trauma-sensitive yoga. While working as a yoga teacher and speech-language pathologist in Austin, Texas, Catherine parents her neurodivergent teenage children and volunteers her time teaching with Bliss Kid Yoga in Austin, Texas. Catherine has formally presented to fellow clinicians and to parents on subjects related to mindfulness research, interpersonal neurobiology, and trauma as they relate to speech therapy and communication difficulties. She is also the host of a new podcast called Yoga Kids Adventure. Catherine, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. 
Yes, I'm thrilled to have you on. And I'm going to start where I usually do, which is at the beginning of yoga for you. So when did you first find yoga and how did that impact your life? Yep. I've been just my whole adult life, really. After um, graduate school, I had my first real speech pathology job and um, it was in a hospital and they had had a free um, gym membership that was attached to the hospital in a small town in East Texas. And um, there were yoga classes and I remembered my aunt talking about yoga. And so I thought, well, I'll just try it. And um, at the end of the classes, the person would do a little progressive relaxation And after being in graduate school and just suffering from anxiety my whole life, it was such a lovely moment to feel like I was not in a stressful moment. And I felt so good after I finished Um, that that really was, I think, probably the first experience that I had that that um, made me very interested in it. And then, um, you know, yoga just kind of visited me throughout my adult life. And um, so there were times when it has come in and then times when it has just, you know, kind of gone away. But then um, when my children were little, they're 13 months apart. Um, And when they were about five and six, um, I was working in a really stressful job, um, which I loved, but it was very stressful. And um, my health was suffering literally. And, um, my mental health was not very good either. And, um, so I found a place near the children's school and near my house that offered yoga and Kung Fu. And so I told the children that they were going to Kung Fu and they said, but we don't want to. And I said, but you're going, cause I need to go to yoga. I need to, I have to do this. So, um, I just, it was a, a, a place that allowed me to um, understand that, let me think about how I want to say this. There were a lot of things in my life, especially as a speech therapist in a school where we, there are a lot of rules we have to follow. And a lot of, a lot of things that have to be in a speech therapist, we'll talk more about it, but we often are um, very detail oriented and um, are a little type A. Some most of us are. So it was in the yoga class, there were choices about how to feel and whether or not to move my body in a certain way. And that was really something that really landed for me. And knowing that I didn't, it didn't have to look a certain way. It really just meant what it felt like. Yeah, yeah, that's huge. That's huge. That's, I think a lot of us come to it in that way. Like I was a dance background mm-hmm. when I came to yoga, it was like, oh, this is how it feels about how you feel now, how, not how it looks. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I had taken ballet as a young person too. And growing up in a small town in Mississippi, um, it, it, you know, we, we are taught to, um, you know, beauty is a Southern thing. <laughs> it's a lot of thing for a lot of women. And, mm-hmm. and that was one of mine, but to know that, um, that there, it really was about the feeling. Um, and so I started practicing, um, on a more regular basis. And then, um, I started to wonder 
why I was feeling so good after yoga. Like, because I'm, as a speech pathologist, a lot of what I do is wonder is think about why we're communicating the way we are, why we're thinking the way we are. And I really like neurology and neuroanatomy and neurophysiology and neurobiology. And so I wanted to know what was happening in my brain. Um, so I did, I did some research and studied and found out some things about um, what happens in our brain when we meditate and when we do yoga. Hmm. And what did you find out? What were the um, things that the, your main takeaways? That it wasn't that, well, first of all, that it was a, it, they were, it was real. The changes in my brain were real. It was, it was a felt sense in my body, but I wanted to know if it had a lasting effect in my brain, if it would, you know, in, in some ways rewire some anxious patterns that I had. And I'd found that, yes, in fact, um, there are lots of studies and probably now more than there were when I started studying about, about it. Um, so I found out that uh, the longer we are able to stay in this calm state, the stronger the wiring is that keeps us out of our survival state. Um, and when we are able to um, notice those physical sensations and um and also stay a little bit more present, then we may have a chance to have um, a little more space to react. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you know what? It's, I think those of us that practice yoga, we feel those things, but to, to know like that there's actual neurology, our brains are actually changing when we're doing right. yoga. That is very powerful stuff. It is. And that the breath, um, also has a lot to do with how we can regulate our bodies. And, and the yogis knew this. Um, and I love that science can confirm the things that we know and practice in yoga and people have practiced for thousands of years. Um, but I like that it also has now um, science backing it up. Yeah, and the science backing it up, I think is what's going to get yoga in more schools too, because mm -hmm. as more and more kids yoga teachers are trying to get it in schools where every single child has access, but they're going to ask, well, what exactly are the benefits? And to have these studies where you're saying, well, this is how it benefits the brain, you know, right. <laughs> that's, right. I think would make an impact. Right. Here are the neurological changes that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that is, um, that is one of the reasons that as, you know, as a school-based speech therapist for 15 years um, and worked in Austin ISD for, for years and, and loved it and worked with all so many different people and teachers and, um, and different families. Um, and then when I took my first yoga teacher training, um, I began to think after I learned about the, the brain connection, I began to think, wow, <laughs> you know, this, this kind of seems like something that I could use in speech therapy. Um, I wonder how. And so, um, so I, I um, made some space in my brain to think about that and just to kind of leave it as a question um, that didn't necessarily need an answer, but that would find its way. Um, and one of the ways that, that I found was, was through the place I volunteer with called Bliss Kid Yoga um, in Austin. And um, because Austin is a very wealthy city, um, it tends to be uh, 
real estate's really expensive here and um, affordable living is, is kind of out of reach for a lot of people. Um, but there, there are still plenty of people that live here. And so um, I wanted to, because I'm a yoga teacher and a speech therapist, but um, I wanted to, to make sure that, that I was using yoga for what I felt like it was intended to be. And that was not um, it's just because you can pay to go to yoga. Mm-hmm. And so um, I found Bliss Kid and um, someone had already thought of this idea. And it was, it was <laughs> wonderful. So I found, I took, I took a couple of trainings with them and one trauma-informed training with them and, um, and started volunteering at um, a shelter here with another, another yoga teacher and teaching pre-K yoga at the, at the shelter. And, um, you know, it made me, it confirmed that, yeah, you, you don't need to pay to be able to do yoga. You don't even need an outfit um, to do yoga. And, um, and, and those same brain changes can happen. Um, and, and, you know, different brains are different people, but it, it, that is beyond um, a, a, a session fee, I guess you would say. Yeah. Uh, that, that's so beautiful and amazing. Cause yeah, you don't basically, you need a body to do yoga, <laughs> you know, and mm-hmm. in any form yeah. and you need to be breathing. So those are the only requirements. We don't need yeah. the fancy yoga clothes. We don't need the yoga mat. We don't need the yoga studio and all of that, no. which I think a lot of those are the images we see. So a lot of people really think that, oh, you have to be skinny mm-hmm. and flexible mm-hmm. and all those things. And none of that is true. So right. I'm so glad you found that space. It sounds like you thought of, hmm, this should exist. And it, and it did. So it Bliss Kids did. Yoga. That's the way a lot of things are in Austin. Like, oh, you know, there should be this. And there are a lot of neat, neat places. And this is one of them. And, and they provide, you know, free and affordable yoga and trainings to educators and families. And over um, during COVID, the founder uh, continued their connection with, um, with the local school district and providing, um, school, uh, yoga after school for some economically disadvantaged schools. So I got to teach pre-K zoom yoga. Oh, wow. How did that go? How did, how did that go over zoom was, with that age? It was, well, it is, it was an adventure unto itself. Um, but fun and four-year-olds are my people. So, um, you know, I would bring out my little, I found, I found on eBay, like a little box of beanie babies for $20. And you probably have beanie babies. There's so many things we can do with them, oh, yes. but on zoom, it's not the same as when we use them, like to put on our belly for breathing or our back, um, but you still can put them on your head. Um, but <laughs> some people didn't have beanie babies, but I did find, and you know, sometimes we find out things the hard way. I mean, not, not in a bad way for in this case, but, um, one little guy that I was, would always show up, uh, he wanted, he was not going to, he was not going to let me outdo him with the stuffies. And so many times we took a little trip to his room so he could get mm-hmm. some stuffies who needed to join us for yoga. Of course. Of course. So, um, 
Yes. I saw lots of laundry piles, which my, right. my house also has. <laughs> right. Yeah. There was something about during the pandemic, all the zoom, like seeing other people in their homes and like mm-hmm. the chaos of everyone's home. It was kind of like, Oh, yeah. great. okay. We, I know we We're are all, it. we, we really are. And so, um, yeah, I, I, I enjoyed teaching kid yoga as it was, I also supervised graduate students through this university called University of St. Augustine and I supervised teletherapy. And um, so my, my, a lot of my day is spent helping students become speech therapists and supervised while they work with four-year-olds on the computer. <laughs> so, wow. um, so I get to see a lot of, of um, four-year-olds and, um, and, and older, uh, but on, on the internet. Right. Well, I want to hear about, oh, it's way different. It's a whole different beast. (laughs) I want to hear about your work as a a speech pathologist um, and how you kind of got to that path. Why did you decide to go that route with your work? And Mm -hmm. then I'd also love to hear about how yoga started to like become integrated into that. Absolutely. Um, Well, we only have a short amount of time, so (laughs) (laughs) I'll be, I'll, of the, tell me which path you want me to take longer. And I absolutely will. Um, well, I'll just tell you first what, what speech therapy is. Um, and you know, it's different things to different people, but it is a profession. So it's pretty defined. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, um, helping people communicate basically. Um, and, um, and I come to it in a slightly different way than, than some people, because I see, um, my role in speech therapy is helping connect, helping people connect with what uh, they're experiencing. And, you know, we, right now we are communicating through speech and using language to do that. Um, it doesn't mean it has to be in a, just the same way as yoga. It doesn't have to be in a certain way, as long as you can make your point and, and it can be understood. If you want it to be understood, then I can help you with that. But it doesn't necessarily have to um, be perfect. That's mm-hmm. not what it, that's not what my job is. But it is to help people that have lost speech from a stroke or from some neurological issue um, and regain their ability to communicate. Hopefully, as much as they can. Swallowing is another another mm-hmm. part of speech therapy, and that's a big piece. Um, and to help children. Um, who are stuttering, not necessarily stop the stuttering, but find ways to communicate that so they can get their point across and help people understand. And this is, this is a little bit of a, a, I guess a little bit of a new way of thinking about things, but um, for, for me, I don't stutter and I'm not autistic. Um, And I think that my role as a speech therapist isn't necessarily to make a person that stutters or a person that's autistic fit in to my world. Um, But for me to also try to understand where they're coming from. And as a speech therapist, for me to help other people understand um, if I can, that um, things that I know about autism or things that I know about about stuttering and, and I try to listen as much as I talk I don't know if if that's coming across, but Mm -hmm. um, I think that, you know, 
we, I don't necessarily have all the answers. Um, and I, and I only know how to help somebody when, when, um, I can find a way to connect with them. Um, Hmm. So have you, a lot of your work has been with the, uh, autistic community in your bio? I think so. Yeah. Um, I, without divulging too much of my personal life, I have, there's there, um, autism is in, is in my personal life. Mm -hmm. And, um, and also after, you know, being a pediatric there, I've been a speech therapist for, I think about 25 years. One thing about being a speech therapist for me is it is a profession that doesn't involve a lot of math and <laughs> math is not my special suit. Yeah, same. So I think that it's about 25 years, um, about 10 of it, 10, 15, um, no, it'd be 10 was with adults, um, and different adult populations. And then about 15 years, maybe longer than that now with pediatric populations. And there was a little lap, a little crossover mm-hmm, mm-hmm. at some point. But um, when, when you work for that long and work for, and especially in a school system uh, where I have 50 or 60 children on my caseload and the, and the incidence of autism is one in 58 or 85, it's, it's gone down since I've, I've been a speech therapist. Uh, it, the f- likelihood of me working with with people that are autistic is very high. Mm-hmm. So, so you're at, so you're at the a school working. So everyone has access to speech therapy that needs it. Is that how it works? Or It does. Um, since it's a public, since in public school, that's mm-hmm. the way the federal law works. Um, and, and then school districts and, t- and state agencies, state education agencies can regulate how that, how it gets um, served, but yes essentially. And, and there are lots of ins and outs and hoops to jump through. And um, yeah, I think that um, if you asked me, if everybody got speech therapy that needed it, I would say, I, it would be hard to say yes to that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I think that um, with the funding that they have, I think that, you know, they do what they can. And since you got deeper into your yoga practice, did you see that change how you approach things or techniques that you used? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, just me explaining to you how I approach working with somebody and, and meeting them where they are and um, Mm -hmm. co-regulating and, and accepting people's differences um, not as other or different, but as part of who they are. Um, yoga has a lot to do with that. Absolutely. Yeah. When you were describing it, it sounds them like that is yoga right there. Yeah. <laughs> like the lens that you're seeing it through is, right. is the yoga. Yeah. Um, ahimsa is a, is a very strong, um, tenant for me, um, in, in how I, I carry myself through the world. Mm-hmm. And so that comes into your work. That would, yeah. Yeah. I think it was already there, but it just, totally. um, uh, just reinforced it mm-hmm. for sure. Um, yeah. And it gave you the perspective and language for it too, of like, it did. It yeah. did. Yeah. And I really, um, have found myself, you know, with the, with the interest in neurology and neurobiology, there's a, a, 
wonderful psychiatrist whose name is Dan Siegel. Oh, I don't know if you know. Yes, I love Dan Siegel. (laughs) Um, So I think that uh, he was one of the people that I studied, in addition to some other people that helped me understand the what how the brain works and how we can use um, mindful ways and tangible ways to um, to meet our kids where they are. And so yeah. I think that whole brain child was in is still um, a wonderful guide, especially as a as a parent, because it's got pictures in it and you can look really mm-hmm, quickly mm-hmm. at the pictures. Yeah, actually, and- that makes me want to take that book out again. I'm like, I should revisit that one. That's anyone listening. If you don't have Dan Siegel's The Whole Brain Child, definitely if you're a teacher, parent, just get it. <laughs> it under- you understand helpful. people better, I think. Yeah. In fact, I just, when I was looking at your, um, at your Instagram page, below it, there was a a post that had a picture of batteries, just, you know, batteries, and it had a positive side on on one. And then the positive sign, the plus sign on the bottom as well. And it said, batteries don't work when they're all positive. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was really great. So I read the, read the post because it is, I mean, we have to welcome if, and if we can, we need to welcome as much as we can even things that are hard. Um, and the person was writing, I wish I could remember who it was, um, said, mentioned that she was in a stressful situation and that she used name it to tame it. Mm. One of Dan Siegel, I forget the name of the author, Tina Bryce, Tina Payne Bryson. She's the other author. Okay. Yes. Um, uh, name it to tame it is one of their strategies that they use when, um, for children, we, we can ask them to, when they're able to tell us how they feel. Um, and then, and then maybe we can help them do something about it if they need some help. Um, but for adults, it's also helpful. If you are feeling a certain way, if we can say, I'm feeling nervous about this, I've never had a yoga interview, an interview before on a podcast, then, (laughs) then that, um, can invite compassion from you. Um, and it can invite compassion for myself. And it also can help the, the nerves level off a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It like, it can ground you because at least there's a understanding of what it is that you're feeling or your child right. is feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I want to get to your podcast that you're hosting mm-hmm. the kids yoga adventure. Yeah. Um, very excited. I listened to the episodes that have been released. So wonderful. There's really, I, I've made two kids yoga adventures out of all my 80 episodes. And those were like the most work, <laughs> those ones that I made. Yes. But I found that I love the idea of offering a podcast for children to do yoga. So it's not with the screen, it's for them to listen to. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to hear about how this came about and how you became involved with yeah. this podcast. Well, um, you know, even in things that are challenging and awful um, in lots of ways, I'm talking about the pandemic in this case, something good can come out of it. And and not not always, but something you can look for something good. You can most of the time you can find it. Um, And so the people that are at Tumble Media, Sarah Robertson Lentz and Lindsay Patterson were both um, have small children and they were thinking, how can we 
um, get our kids to be more active and not in front of a screen. And, um, and we know we love yoga. How can we? And then, so they thought, oh, let's, let's make, they already make some podcasts. So let's make a podcast for, for kids with yoga and, um, being in Austin, it's easy to find yoga here. Um, if you can, you know, for certain populations and then now with Bliss Kid, uh, for more, um, so they reached out to Bliss Kid Yoga and um, pitched the idea. And Catherine Banker is the founder. And she thought of um, Erica Ortiz, who's my writing partner and myself, because we're both speech therapists. And um, she thought, well, you want to give this a try? And here's another way that yoga is helpful. And that is stepping into the unknown. <laughs> um, <laughs> And um, having a little bit of trust for the people around me that, you know, I don't know if it's going to work or not, but I love yoga. We love speech therapy. We love finding ways um, that it can weave in and um, helping families and children find ways to connect. Heck yeah, I'm going to do that. Mm -hmm. I'm going to, we'll try it for sure. Um, and I had no idea what, how it was going to turn out, but it was, it is, it's a lot, it's a, it's a lot of work, um, but it's, it's good work. So you write the scripts with Erica and then, and then you are the voice on the podcast. And right. So tell me, I was, I wrote to you, I said, I'm like, you have a team. Like for me, I do, I do everything on my own. Right. So I'm like, how does that work? I'm just curious to hear, right. like, how does that collaboration mm -hmm. work where you have so, a group of yeah. people? Sarah. Sarah Robertson Lentz is the executive producer, and she's also one of the writers. And then um, Erica and I also write. So, um, you know, it's a lot of collaboration. And um, because Sarah has experience with podcasts for children, especially, she they know, um, and she also has a small child. <laughs> they know things that are interesting to children that children want to know more about and experience. And so um, we came up with a long list of things that could be adventurous for children. And then we thought about, um, well, why would you want to listen to, you know, as a family or as a parent, why would you, why would you choose this? Um, and so we, we decided that there might be some times in our day when we when we could use, we could use it like when we're waking up or when we're getting ready to go to sleep or when we're having some big feelings is another one. Or when we want to feel powerful, like superheroes, that's one coming up. That's my, one mm. of my favorites. Um, so connecting with how we might be feeling, which not, isn't always, you know, good, bad, their feelings. And then finding ways to um, get in touch with those and um, maybe provide some relief if needed, or at least some breath that always helps um, in, a, in a playful, fun way. Absolutely. Well, I've seen, I think there's two out right now. And then is the plan to, are they going to be released slowly or is it a weekly podcast? Yeah. Oh, I forgot about the sound that's in it because it, it is my voice, but also 
Marshall Escamilla is our sound design person. Oh, yeah, it sounds and great. It really doesn't it. The ocean sounds really good. Mm-hmm. And then the cave sounds for the, in the bear, yes. sleepy bear. Um, that really, I think that it's, it's one thing, and you know, you're a yoga teacher. It's one thing for us to teach a class um, and have a really fun connection, however, whoever we're teaching with, um, but we don't usually have sound effects when we teach, <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. I mean, I make them with my mouth, right? Um, but those aren't always great and effective, but um, to be able to have this yoga adventure and then also um, because we can't see it, it's just listening, yeah. but um, wow, doesn't that just turn on the imagination when you can hear the ocean? No, oh, absolutely. I actually want to try the bedtime one tonight with my daughter after we record. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I think, I think she would really like it. And she likes to do meditations before bed to come mm-hmm. down and stuff like that. So, yeah, we, I tried to put, we tried to put a little bit of one of the practices that, that, that I, I use personally is yoga. There are two ways to say it. I say yoga nidra, yoga nidra. Mm-hmm. Um, and I find that that when that is as close to that first experience I had with progressive and relaxation. It, it really is very, very helpful for me to be able to get into my body and then relax. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, it's an ancient practice. So I think that um, for that episode, we tried to use a little bit of some, some, at least some strategies or some, some of the language that helps us get settled. Right, right. Well, how has the process been? What has been, I guess, start, you could start with the greatest challenge of Mm -hmm. creating the podcast and then what has been the greatest reward? Yeah. Um, I wonder if I took notes. (laughs) (laughs) The greatest challenge is that um, the unknown, I think. Um, being patient with something that you've, I've never done before. Um, you know, I think that the greatest challenges that we have are also the greatest gifts. I think that the greatest personal challenges we have are your, also your special skills that you have. So um, I think that uh, while it was really hard to kind of dive into the unknown, I ended up learning so much. Mm-hmm. I mean, I learned what retracts are. Um, where you have to, I can go back. If I said the P too loud, I can go back and, and say it in a different way, which is Mm. very speech therapy. That is Um, very (laughs) aligned with your work. (laughs) Yep. Um, and I learned, uh, I met some really incredible people and got to know them really well, who I wouldn't have have known before. Um, yeah, I got to go to a recording studio. I mean, it was, it was a lovely place. Uh, but we had to turn the air conditioner off to record. <laughs> and so, and this is the summer in Austin and, and, it's <laughs> <hot>. <laughs> and when we do, when we, we got to go in the yoga, in the recording studio, it was like that little window of time where we were all vaccinated. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just Sarah Lentz and I, um, we were both vaccinated and, um, I think we were at stage one in Austin. So it was, it was you know, as, as safe as it was going to be. Um, and so we, I got to see her from like the whole, the whole Sarah <laughs> and, <laughs> and, she to see me and, and, <laughs> yes. I, and I'm almost six feet tall and she, and everybody else is short to me. So, <laughs> um, so we got to see each other and, um, 
but when we record, I like to, and also really long arms. So I like to move around while mm-hmm. I'm, while I'm doing it because it's no fun to just say the words. I mean, anyway, um, so it was hot. <laughs> and I think, and we had to pause a couple of times because uh, for the recording, and this is something I didn't know um, that there was some rain and we had to wait for the thunder <laughs> to <Right>. pass. <laughs> um, so those are some things that I learned yeah. and I learned to be patient and have faith and know that it wasn't really all up to me. Mm. Um, you know, you're running this by yourself and, and, and you're, you're doing a really incredible job um, and a lot of them. And, um, and I'm used to doing a lot of things on my own as well. Um, so it was a really a good experience to know that there were people working just as hard as I, I was mm. um, and that together we, we made this really cool thing. Yeah. Oh, well, congratulations to all of you, the team of you for having that vision, working together and then, you know, executing it and having, and I'm so glad you got to do that in person too. And that little window when things were feeling free is three Saturdays Mm -hmm. and that was it. And then, and then then everything changed. The one thing I left out about the language that we use, because Mm -hmm. one of the things that, that, that Erica and I, um, you know, being a speech therapist, we're, we're very careful and precise with our words as much as we can be. Um, and when you're teaching yoga to children, um, and you can often in person, you know, you, you get to show them what you're doing and we get to all make the penguin shape and we get to all jump like rabbits. Um, but if you're describing it on a podcast or a recording, then how do you, the language that you use has to be really clear so that, um, and also because we want, we want four and five and six-year-olds to be able to, to follow the directions. So um, the other piece of that is that um, Erica and I, and through Bliss Kid, we, we try to teach in trauma-sensitive ways so that there's choice in what we do. Um, and so when we, when we use some of the language, we say, you know, you might sit on the ground, mm-hmm. you might put your legs out, you might cross them. It's up to you because there's this self, this, it creates a little bit of agency and control over what, what we, what you were able to do for yourself. And I think that that's very, um, very powerful for, for any human, but especially for humans that have experienced some form of trauma or something that doesn't feel safe to them to be able to say, I don't want to sit like that. Um, and to be able to also know that somebody is doing this with you, like that hopefully when you listen, you hear you're coming with me, we're gonna go together, we're gonna do this, that you're not alone, that there are other people around that also can do things with you. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are two of, the, two of the principles that we try to incorporate into, um, into it. And then the speech therapy part, because that we don't, we can't leave that behind is <laughs> that we know that we're teaching young children. And um, I, you know, I have little nephews and nieces and, and they are my, some of my favorite people. Um, and we do yoga together when they, when they want to. Um, but we also, I can't help but 
when we're together, I want us to categorize things. And I want us to talk about describing flowers and, and use lots of language. And, and then I want to ask them why questions and all these language things. So, um, so when it comes to a yoga podcast or I want us to rec I want us to be able to go back and talk about what we did. Um, and so at the end of the podcast, that way we worked in, let's talk about what we did. Um, and there's a couple of reasons. And one is because we, well, the language aspect is that it's a, it's a really important skill for children to be able to tell a story and to tell, explain what happened to them or explain what they experienced on the playground. If, some, you know, if your child fell in and hurt her knee, you'd want to know, you know, what happened and, and if there was something else that you needed to do. So being able to a child being able to explain what, what was going on or a great, awesome story they had or a dream they had that was incredible. We want to hear all of those things. Um, and sometimes uh, the flip side is that of it's called sequencing. The flip side of it is uh, it's following directions. <clears throat> so if I say to you, first, we're going to go to the beach and then we're going to go and see an octopus and then we're going to lay on the sand. Um, you're listening to that and maybe you can start to visualize it. And when we visualize what we uh, maybe not haven't even experienced though, that can create um, a memory and that can also create some language and an experience that you can draw on. Hmm. Well, it sounds like got such a perfect team working together to because it's a very like you mentioned it's a it's a specific skill set to communicate with children only through the audio when our children are very accustomed to the screen mm -hmm. or to being isolated for you know right. however long it's been to get that point across and like you said I do think those those sound effects and the very specific choice of words it really delivers that and helps kids get to that place. So I hope I hope people check check out the podcast. Even if you don't have children, if you're a kids yoga teacher, yeah. I think it's a really cool way to hear somebody teach in a really effective way too. Yeah. That can Thank be integrated. You. It's called yogapodcastforkids.com. And I wanted to say one other thing about it because my dad, I told he's 80. And I told him about this podcast, what's a podcast? So I told him <laughs> about the podcast and, and he texted me and he and my stepmother had, had tried it. Um, and they said, well, we need some pictures. We don't know what these, what, what are we octopus? What are we supposed to do with our arms? And I was like, well, do you know what an octopus is? You could do that. <laughs> so, um, and, but, he, but he said, we need pictures. And so I said, well, go to the website because for each episode, when you click on the episode, Sarah Robertson Lentz, precious child, has done the poses for each episode. Oh, so, that's wonderful. Um, so you can go in and um, one thing I was, so I told my dad to <laughs> go, yeah, go check out the look, website. <laughs> look, at the, look at the pictures, they'll help you. Right. Um, but I have another friend that's a, um, a teacher for special needs children and um and she said she was going to try it in the classroom. And I said, you know, sometimes people do need visuals. So it would be okay. I think maybe you could try it by pulling it up on a screen or a computer mm -hmm. um, and playing it. But then maybe 
pause it after a couple of, you know, after part of it, just so you can see the pictures. You don't mm. have to go again. It doesn't have to be anything. You can pause it um, and, and maybe even do a little bit. You don't have to do, you just follow what the kiddo wants to do. Right. Um, yeah. Oh, that's good to know though, that that is an option for, for visual learners to look at during, before, after, whenever, you know, I'm sure kids right. will want to do these adventures more than one time. Yeah. too. So. Well, and it's a, it's a, it's a language opportunity too. Cause if you look at the, at the poses, maybe you can remember what you did and what comes mm-hmm. next. Um, or maybe you can teach somebody how to do something like, oh, this is how I did it. You can show them your, right. (laughs) The confidence. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I'd love to hear your kids yoga gem. And that's how I always round out my episodes, basically just a little gem of wisdom that you would offer to anyone who is offering yoga to children. What would that be for you? Um, that would be that at the root of yoga, the meaning of the word yoga in some form means to connect. And so I think that um, we, you know, we use yoga to connect with ourselves and our body, but I, if we can remember that the reason that we're, we're sharing this yoga is to not only connect with the people we're teaching, but to show them how to connect with themselves and with others in a kind way. Um, imagine how powerful that is and showing them in a way that with language and with movement and with breath, that those are all ways that we can, um, we can all, we all have those things. We, we can all, those are things that are common that we all have. Mm, that's beautiful. All about connection. Yes. Well, I want people to find the podcast and to find you as well. So can you give us the places where they can find the podcast and maybe Bliss Kids Yoga as well? Absolutely. Okay. So um, yogapodcastforkids.com is the website where the photos are. And I think we'll be putting some um, parent guides and some thoughts about how we, you might increase, you know, use some language activities and lots of things. Um, and then there's Facebook is you can find social media, Facebook and Instagram. And then for the podcast, Apple podcasts, Spotify, I think Stitcher, pretty much most of the places that people find podcasts, it's called yoga kids adventure, yoga kids adventure. Great. And then Bliss Kids Yoga, is that it's yeah. um, Bliss Kid Yoga. I'm just going to make sure that it's not orgwork.com. Oh, yeah. That's in Austin, Texas. It is an org. Bliss, B as in boy, L-I-S-S, kid, yoga, dot O-R-G. Wonderful. Well, I thank you so much for taking the time and for sharing so much with us. I really, really enjoyed talking to you. Same here, Jessica. This has really been a great experience. Thank you for making the time to to let me say all the things and ask great questions. Absolutely. Well, have a wonderful night and let's stay in touch. I'd love that. Okay, take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you'd like to support the Kids Yoga Podcast, here are a few ways you can do that. 
visit www.thekidsyogapodcast.com. Here you'll see a link to my Patreon page, and you will see different monthly subscriptions, which will offer you added benefits. You can also contact me through the website and see all of the episodes that have been released so far. In addition, I truly appreciate those five-star reviews and ratings because it just brings so many more people to the show and it just means the world. So if you feel compelled, a rating and review and press that subscribe button as well. So if you want to get in touch, shoot me an email, thekidsyogapodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow The Kids Yoga Podcast on Instagram and on Facebook. Again, thank you so much for being here.